This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey, welcome everyone. Carm Capriato, Remarkable Results Radio and a Town Hall Academy. We're going to be talking to two excellent off-the-charts service advisor coaches and two of their, what I don't know, guys, what do you call them, clients? I mean, can I say Padawan Learner? Is that patented? Yes, you could. You can. Okay. I'm going I'm to lay that one out there for you, Tyler. A Padawan <laughs> Learner. God, do I love that. That is, wow. <laughs> Let me see. We can end the episode right now. We've learned something. We're going to talk about listening to service advisor calls, and we're going to get the impact from not only how the coach sees their, if you will, Padawan student and or the student receiving them and how it all works and you know, have they actually improved their world and their life and the place that they work for? So, hey, welcome, everyone. Let me introduce my panel as we move forward. Rena Renabaum is here from Empowered Advisor. Rena, always good to have you. Always good to be here. Thank you. She's with Colin Ashen from European Auto Garage in Knoxville, Tennessee. Hello, Colin. How you doing? Great. And you're a client or a Padawan learner for Rena, right? That is correct. <laughs> what is a Perfect. Padawan? I've never heard of this. Oh, Can someone wait. please tell me what this Go ahead. is? Go ahead, Clint. It's a reference to a Star Wars character. And I see that the nerd is not strong with you, Rena, but that's okay. Sorry. We can help I was a that. cool kid. I'm right there with you, Rena. I'm not <laughs> oh, you didn't know? Oh, my. Maybe. Well, I saw the movie when it first came out. So, anyway, it's a reference to someone being, if you will, mentored. Mm. There you go. Ah. Someone, okay. the Padawan learner. Anyway, get there, watch that, watch the Star Wars series. Clint White's here from Coaching with Integrity. Hello, Clint. Hello, Carmen, everybody. Pleasure to be here. Always good to have you. His Padawan learner. <laughs> okay, Carmen, <laughs> enough of that. Tyler Nichols, manager and lead advisor at Extra Mile Auto Care, uh, owned by our good friend Aaron Woods. Absolutely. Thank you all for having me. Good to have you. Oh, by the way, I want to go back to Colin. You live in Knoxville. Mm -hmm. You've been in the industry nine years, four mm -hmm. of those as a technician. Correct. And the remainder is the service. I can't wait to hear how the technician thing creeps into being a service advisor. I can't wait to hear that because yeah. there's a lot of us out there that need to know that. Hey, I want to make one really quick comment. Breaks for Breast, I'm a camp. I am working this thing hard. We've got some really big goals and challenges. Please, on our YouTube channel and soon to have a podcast that we recently did with the first, the lady who received the first shot from the clinical trials. And her name is Jenny. What an incredible episode. I encourage everyone to get involved in the Breaks for Breast program this October, please, for me, do that. Hey, we want to thank our sponsors who bring you the Town Hall Academy each and every week. You know, deliver cars to clients faster so they get their wheels sooner and you save valuable time at the front counter with remote payments. You also get your money sooner without having to chase down your debts. It's just another reason to get shopware.com. And trust in the aftermarket supplier that makes the parts that cars are born with. With over 100 years of OE heritage, Delphi Technologies Quality Parts gives you peace of mind. Love the guys and ladies over at Delphi Technologies. Learn more at delphiaftermarket.com. Hey, let's jump in this thing. Rena, I would be afraid to listen to a call that someone recorded and I had to sit down with you, I would be afraid because I would be so hard on myself and I would be almost embarrassed to realize that I'm not as good as I should be. And do you find that a lot with your clients that they're just too hard on themselves when you get a chance to coach them? Yeah, I do. And I think that people don't expect 
our coaching style to be that where we come from a place of, you know, empowerment and we want to inspire people. When I coach somebody, I don't come from a place where I'm looking to give critique. Well, I guess I'm looking to give critique, but I'm more than anything, I'm looking to make it a positive experience for them. I don't want them to walk away from a call with me with their tail between their legs, feeling like they can't do the job, that they're not good at it. That's why I named my business Empowered Advisors, because I want to empower people to do what they do, because if they like it, they're going to be better at it. Tyler, what do you use the call to discover? It's a vulnerable position, you know, picking one of these phone calls, almost like having my eyes closed while attaching it to the email to Clint. It's like, you know, I really don't want to have to listen to this one. But sometimes I will send a call that I feel like I just really missed the mark and really need some guidance on. Sometimes I feel I did great on a call and really want some feedback on that. Sometimes I feel I did great on a call, but the result didn't end the way I wanted to. And there's a lot of different scenarios, and it really depends on kind of what's on my mind, what's on my heart at that time, as to what I really need the guidance on. Seems to be kind of a theme with each week. And it does vary, but just really anything I could really use his professional opinion on to help, you know, kind of better that situation. How has it helped you improve, Colin? Like Tyler was saying, it makes you feel very vulnerable. It does. No one likes listening to their phone calls. Nobody does. Half the people don't like one, the way their the voice sounds. For me, I have a problem with talking very fast, and I'm going to try not to talk fast this entire podcast, but I have a problem with talking fast, and listening to my phone calls makes me realize when in certain places I need to slow down, when I can talk a little faster. It's just small things like that that really fine-tune your phone skills and everything like that. And I think it, it really is an important aspect of you know, service advising and even coaching is listening to phone calls. Clint, what about the objectivity that you're trying to teach your people? So I, I want to make sure that every advisor that I work with uh, is in a, in a safe environment, kind of soundboarding off what Rena said, is that we're very vulnerable. Advisors are vulnerable. And I think it's important that truth be told, but be told in a manner that it's received, digested, processed, and then things grow from that. That's why I truly believe that the, the recorded call uh, critique evaluation process is uh, absolutely a critical must if you're going to grow as a service advisor, even if you're in a different profession. Really, if, if you speak for a living, if you interact with other people for a living, it's imperative that you have that third-party objective viewpoint that says, hey, I actually heard that and you may not have. And I, I love, I do this, I think every time we do a podcast, I love analogies, right? And so if you ever get ready to talk to somebody and before you know you're going to be face-to-face, -face, you do a little bit of this, right? <laughs> seems fine to me. The challenge is if you do that to somebody else's nose, they might let you know otherwise. And that's what that objectivity is. Smelling your own breath. That is so well put. You know, I kind of think that it's almost in a way as a personal one-on-one -on -one Toastmasters. And yeah. I actually had a client the other day. We did a roundtable peer group and I said, hey guys, Colin and I are going to be on Carm's podcast on Friday, I want to know what you guys are thinking. So we had a whole room of, I don't know how many people, 10, 12 people call in. Mm -hmm. I think about that. It was Allie. I asked her and she said, you know what, Rena? I know that I'm better on the phone, but also I had to do a speaking engagement at my church. And I knew that I was going to be better at that because I've been doing this. So just to go back to what you said, Clint, it absolutely, if you are doing public speaking, this is a huge help 
as well. Okay, you brought it up. You said Toastmasters. Well, we have a remarkable results Toastmasters group, okay? It just got chartered from Toastmasters International, and we probably have maybe a dozen so far in it as we have, we're learning to tread the waters to get there. We have some senior people who've been in Toastmasters for years helping us guide this along. But Rena, I think you may have hit, we really are looking for a lot of service advisors to join this group because to the point, we've been in it now since I think April and it's such an incredible learning curve and gives you that kind of confidence. And there's no pressure, but it's disciplined and I love it. If you're interested, just send me an email, carm at remarkableresults.biz, and we're going to give you an invite to come to the next one. There is one daytime and there's one nighttime per month, a 2 p.m. and a 7 p.m. first and third Thursdays, if you think you could make it. Trust me, as a service advisor in our industry, to your point, Rena, I think it would go a long way to help people. Clint, this seems to be enhanced problem solving by being able to sit down with a coach and going over some of my stumbles. And I'm a great individual who sometimes gets stuck in a rut and I can't get out of it. I can't stop saying this. I can't stop thinking of it. If we were going to be really good at revenue generation and relationship building, it's almost like I've got to say, I can't get out of my own way. Help me. So enhanced problem solving, indeed, I would agree, is a key component, key feature of reviewing recorded calls. And, and what it allows the advisor to do is just think quickly on their feet, respond effectively, respond professionally, respond with compassion, respond with empathy, especially to those unexpected questions or objections. We're pretty good at having conversations with one another, you meet somebody in public, and you don't usually stumble over your words. But you're not having to counter an objection many times when you're just having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with somebody. And so this affords us the opportunity to slow down time, play 10, 15 seconds, hit a keyword or phrase, pause, and then we can discuss and talk and interact and then give maybe a different course direction for the advisor to ponder, think about, digest, and plant and grow, right? I love that analogy. This is a process. I can't listen to one of your calls, give you all the answers, and then we're done. It's just not that way, unfortunately. But it allows the advisor to, again, think very quickly on his feet doing this over and over again. We were just sharing with where my stumbles would be. And Tyler, you had said that drawing attention to extended silences and lazy language is something you needed help with. And I have to tell you, back to Toastmasters, it's good to have a pause while you're speaking to people because you don't want to, as I think, didn't Colin, you say you talk a mile a minute, Colin? <laughs> and I guess it's not bad to learn how to have a pause, but probably not extended silences while you're searching for the right word. Sometimes that would not give confidence at the other end. Exactly. I think just this last week when Clint and I were, were meeting, there was a point where he said, I didn't pause this. This is the real silence of this call. Thinking of things going into this, that was so fresh and, and something that's a large part of what I try and improve on. Aaron quotes it all the time. I'm not sure the exact source, but someone's caught off guard or, or in a position like that, they're going to fall to the level of their training and where they you know, kind of truly are at. And being caught in that to where I have an extended silence where I'm saying repeatedly and just stumbling, it's a true testament to that. Hey, uh, there's still work to do here. Is that lazy know. language? Is that what you consider? Or what do you That's consider? That's what I would consider. Anything, I would say maybe filler. Something you fall back on when looking for the next point and uh, you know, listening back to calls, you, you can really catch it. Imagine that in Toastmasters, there is a person who counts the ums and the ahs. While I've had you're, it happen to me. Yeah. And you know what? 
It's not embarrassing. It's just there as a teaching moment. By the way, we just had this great a plum drop from the tree when Tyler said fall to their level of training. I tell you, I think we all need to get that to rest in one of the brain cells up here and almost mm -hmm. lock it in play. It doesn't matter. Service advisor, leadership training, owner training, technician training. We're only going to be as good as the things we've been taught and the things that we use and repeat Rinse and repeat. You know, nothing tells a customer they need a new part faster than when they see a worn or broken one in their hands. Now, how do you do that in the digital age? Well, it's actually very easy. Thanks to DVX, you can send photos and videos within its messenger platform. It's like nothing else you've ever seen in an auto repair SMS before. Take the best of an Amazon-like experience and use it in your shop to show customers how great you are. DVX also makes it easy for customers to drop you a quick text or answer in the messenger bubble that arises from the repair order. It's like magic. Customers love seeing what they need to do and giving you a quick answer. You'll see your business's potential right in front of you. Your customers get on with their day and you get back to the repair. Everybody wins. It's time. Take it from me. GetShopware.com as the trusted aftermarket brand for over 100 years, Delphi Technologies is by your side for every step of the repair process. The Delphi journey doesn't stop once the parts are ordered. Wherever your journey takes you, our quality parts gives you ease of mind when getting your customer's vehicle back on the road. Technicians know and trust Delphi as a quality brand. Each product undergoes rigorous testing to not only meet OE standards, but also enhance it in each opportunity. From 700 hours of spray testing on chassis components to fuel pumps tested for reliability up to 150,000 miles. And safety and reliability is paramount to help vehicles drive cleaner, better, and further throughout their lives. Delphi is also committed in developing products and services to prepare technicians for the future. Take advantage of how-to videos on YouTube, technician-led trainings, and our technical support line, and more. Turn to the aftermarket parts supplier with over 100 years of OEM trust and quality. Learn more about Delphi. Visit DelphiAftermarket.com. Rena, you say that before you listen to a call, you have a lesson. Tell me about it. Tyler and Colin said it, you know, this is a vulnerable place for people to be. So I like to do some trust building and I also like to provide a lesson before we start listening to calls. So when I start with a client, I might spend four to six weeks going over different topics and figuring out where they're at in their career and what their weaknesses are, what their strengths are. Before I listen to recorded calls, before I give any critique, I'm going to provide lessons and education and tools before we start listening to calls because I want to make sure that they feel comfortable and they have the information. And it's also, like I said, it's a trust building thing. Get to know me. Why are they listening to calls with me? Why should they trust me? Why should they trust that what I'm saying is the right thing to do? Especially an advisor who has been doing this for many years. Why would they trust me. They've been doing this and it's worked for them so far. So why do what I say? Colin, did you set out in working with Rena because you wanted to be better at this or did the boss say, hey, this is what you're doing? It was kind of a mix. My owner, Cindy, kind of brought it to my attention. She's like, what is your views on training? And I think everybody 
has the same kind of views on coaching and training. They're like, what am I doing wrong? Or am I doing something wrong? And it's not true at all. An analogy I always use with Rena is like Corvettes are already very fast, but you can make them faster. Service advisors are good, but you can make them even better. So I was not opposed to it at all. At first, it took me a little while to get away from the fact that it's more of the ego kind of thing. But once I got past that, really kind of noticed that Rena wasn't there to tell me what I was doing wrong. It was telling me what I was doing right, but even how I could perfect it. That's when I realized that there's nothing negative about it. It's all positives. And I was actually really excited. And I'm actually really happy that I've done the training with Rena and, and will be continued doing it with Rena. I'm so happy that you said that because I can only relate to Tiger Woods. If he said, I don't need a putting coach, a swing coach, where would he be? His ego didn't let him get in the way. And then if you think about, here's this, the greatest golfer of all times. I know he's not doing as well lately, but just think of his, the rise and what it took to get him there. Can you imagine any one of his coaches looked and saw something not working the way it was intended? Frankly, listen, we all get lazy. We all get sometimes overconfident, maybe cocky. Why would some of the greatest football players ever have coaches? But yeah, I love your point. I think your point is so well taken. Coaching, any kind of training, we have to, as an industry, get so much more professional at everything that we do and getting help is a good thing. And maybe that's part of the point of this entire episode is to get people who are listening to say, I don't need this. And then all of a sudden say, maybe I could use it instead of I do. Instead of saying, I do need training, maybe I can use it and then go and do it with an open mind. Right, Rena? I'm thinking about what your comment about Tiger Woods isn't doing that well, but he isn't doing that well against like the top 1% golfers on this planet. So he's still an amazing golfer. And that's the way that I look at the people that we work with. We generally work with the top 10% advisors in the country. So they're already really good. And we are just keeping them on their game. We're keeping them the best of the top 10% advisors. Tyler, what have you learned from Clint lately? Oh boy. (laughs) A large thing of what he speaks of is Socratic method and always inquiring, always ending with a question. I think he's kind of got Aaron on it too, because Aaron will be talking about something. Tyler, what are your thoughts? And it puts you on the spot. Like, oh my gosh, I need to answer this. And so really forming that into any conversation to make sure I'm hearing out as much as I can and getting all the information that I can, because I think that using that really brings out some other information that may have not made it to the conversation without. Do you use scripting a lot? First starting as an advisor, I studied it quite a bit, but something I've been working with Clint on is kind of finding my own rhythm within his scripts. So it's loosely based, but definitely the structure from a script and, you know, having a formulated approach. So Clint, do you start with a client with scripts? Yeah, absolutely. The script is a flight plan and the script, it gives us a structure. I I use the analogy of of bones, right? So if we were to strip away the the flesh and the, the hair, if we were to strip that away, We'd all look the same. We're all just bones underneath. And that's what a script is. That script is structured. There's a reason we ask this question first. There's a reason we don't ask this question. And there's a reason for the process that we follow. But at the end of the day, you've got to flesh that out. It's got to look like you, talk like you, sound like you, smell like you. It has to be you. And it has to be genuine and authentic. And that's one of the challenges with scripting is uh, many people take it for face value and they don't actually invest themselves into it and make it their own. I found that the majority of human beings can sniff out a rat and they can sniff out a fake. 
And if you're truly reading from a script, tell me you've ever gotten a call for your extended car warranty. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If you're ever reading from a script, I smell that and I want nothing to do with you. And so I don't want any of my advisors to be interacting with our clients that way. I want them to be very authentic in how they engage. So the idea of the formatting or the script or the discipline to start with when you're working with a client is to help walk the client through what they called you for. Yeah, the uh, the script actually will uh, initially engage the primary concern, right? The primary request, right? The reason that they called. But many times people don't really know why they call. You find that to be true? People will call and they ask for a price on something. And if you follow a very well industry vetted, personalized script and get them to that question, that's that Socratic method, which is a question-based approach to problem solving. If you're able to ask them the question, what, well, what leads you to believe that you need said component. Boy, I'd feel terrible if we put that component on your vehicle and didn't fix it. How would you feel? We're able to guide them with still acknowledging their primary concern. We can guide them to the right answer. That's what you are. You're an advisor. You're a guide. You are effectively a Sherpa for automotive repair. You take people up this mountain. The the air is thin. The path is narrow. We've got to get them to the, the very top so they can plant their flag without you very few people make the right decision. So you're building trust with the client. And Rena, I think you just nailed it a little earlier, but I I really want to jump into this thing that a coach and a service advisor, the trust has to be enormous if someone's going to learn anything. Yeah, I think that as a coach, we need to know when it's a good day for coaching and when it isn't a good day. When the shop is on fire and I'm trying to force you to listen to a recorded call, like that's not going to be a good day for either one of us. So yeah, we need to build that trust. I need to be able to read you. I need to know what is happening with you. And also you should be able to trust me and say, Rena, I'm having a really hard day and I have a very tight schedule. So it's hard for me to move people to a different day. But hey, if we can just take a 10 minute breather or if we can talk through what's going on, but you have to trust people to let them in to say, this is what I'm frustrated about. My boss just came and yelled at me because of this or a coworker did or a customer just came in or we ordered these parts and I ordered them and they were wrong. And I feel bad because now we're not getting this car done. So the trust allows us to have a better relationship. And if we trust each other, man, the coaching is going to be so much better too. I can't imagine the learning that happens when that comfort level is there. It's almost the relationship that husbands and wives have who've got solid marriages going. There's, you can say just about anything to each other and not worry that you're going to be judged. The dynamic between the coach and the client, between the service advisor coach and the service advisor, is a type and shadow or a reflection of the relationship I want my advisors to have with their customers. Yeah. And as advisors, we have to be sensitive to the happenings of their day. We have to use our intuition and be able to very quickly judge how we need to engage this individual. And if this is not the right time to begin vomiting prices at them, maybe we should hold off on that for just a second. Just again, it's a trust thing. And I love that you brought that up. People buy from those that they know, like, love, and trust. And so that also applies to the advisor-trainer relationship. It's not that you're buying from me, but you're receiving from me. You're saying, I, that's valuable to me. I'll input that into myself and use that in my structure. If you don't trust me, you don't trust Rena. Nothing happens. There's no growth. Yeah, agreed. 
I did want to say that I stopped using the word script and I started using the word guide because I feel like people are so scared of the word script. And I used to use it maybe 10 years ago. And then people were like, you're going to try to make me a robot. So as soon as I changed and I said, yeah, we're, here's a guide. I'm going to be honest. I didn't change anything except for a word. It took a lot of stress off of people because the truth is, I don't want you to say it exactly the way I say it, unless you feel really comfortable. We do want you to find your way. We want you to find what sounds good and right and what you feel like you can really express to a customer with passion. When you are using a guide, you can start off sounding clunky and a little bit like you are following a script. In my opinion, I would rather have somebody that sounds a little bit clunky, not necessarily that's like picking up a piece of paper and reading it, but like somebody that sounds a little bit clunky, but is, I know that you're hitting all the point. I feel that there is structure to your call. I'm going to appreciate that more than somebody who doesn't have structure. And one of the things that I tell people is if you follow this guide, now we have a way of knowing if you're improving or not. If your calls are just all over the place, how are we going to know? Like, how am I going to be able to tell you this is how to make your calls better? But if we structure them in a very similar way, now we are going to know when they're getting better. We're going to know the area of opportunity. I think tying that in with kind of what Carmen was saying earlier about with husband and wife kind of made me thinking there's some calls that I will, my wife's a geologist, she's out of the automotive industry. So I like to be able to bring her some of my calls and let her listen and say, if you were to receive this call, does this seem forced? Yeah, I mean, you know me better than anybody. How do I sound on this? Do I sound comfortable? And I'm a little more reluctant to share a phone call with her than I am with Clint. Uh, <laughs> just, it's vulnerable and you know, it's outside of my home life and, and bringing that in. And it's really opening to, she's like, it doesn't sound like you. So that's another approach I've used to really pinpoint that's that. That's so, so sweet. It is. And I, I think I, I heard the word genuine, even though it wasn't said. There's a lot of value in the wisdom and intuition of a spouse, whichever way, that life partner of yours. My wife as well gives me input. She hears everything that comes out of this office every session. And there will be days she'll say, hey, you sound a little harsh. You doing okay? She's my coach in that aspect. (laughs) You're like, I didn't even hear that. Thank you for telling me. Which is what happens when you listen to recorded calls, right? Colin was saying, I heard that I sounded rushed or... I hear my lazy language, but when you're rushed and you're like, you have a technician waiting, you have a customer, like you have an RO, you have an estimate, you have everything happening. You pick up the phone and you don't realize that you do not sound friendly. You don't sound very inviting. The image that you are painting of your shop is that whenever I hear a really rushed call, I always think this shop is going to be messy. It's going to be dirty. It's going to be unorganized. So I'm looking for that person when I call somewhere that is patient with me and kind and has the time, even though everything is on fire around them. I didn't feel that at all. But you don't know that until you actually listen to yourself or watch yourself. I don't know about you guys, but I watch Carm's podcast back and I'll see the annoying things that I know that I do. <laughs> and it helps me remember to not do them. I don't think so. I think you're great. <laughs> no, you no, me. So Colin, is it the new client call that you're listening to or a current client call that you are more concerned with? I've been a loyal 
client and we have a conversation, you set an appointment and you do your thing. Where's the weight? Is there more weight on trying to get that new client to love you? Honestly, the, the weight for me on a phone call is going to be phone shoppers, to be honest with you. That is my <laughs> weakest point probably in my phone call etiquette is just phone shoppers because a lot of people don't like giving prices over the phone and there's multiple reasons I won't get into, but you know, a lot of us know why. That is the hardest thing I deal with is probably phone shoppers, but turning that phone shopper into someone who makes an appointment is hard, but it can be very rewarding. The phone shoppers are my biggest thing. Like I said, my biggest rush when I'm on a phone call is my intro. Thank you for calling European Auto Garage. This is Colin. How can I help you? I fly through that and I get called Tom, Chuck, every name under the sun <laughs> because I rush. And if wow. I if someone doesn't repeat my name back to me, I know I said the intro way, way too fast. And that's probably the weight <clears> of <throat> any phone call for me. But as far as getting the new client, phone shoppers, converting a phone shopper into a appointment is probably the heaviest weight for me personally. A while ago, I said to Carm, I said, one of the things that we do is we say, my name is instead of this is. And one of the reasons, because when I answer the phone, I'll say, this is Rena. People will say, hey, Serena. But when my name is Rena, people catch my name. And so because it's different, they're not expecting us to say my name is. So it makes us different. And then also we don't say it as fast. And then I don't know what it is, but it's about that final S in final S, I guess the only S in this <laughs> somehow carries over to our name. And so that's why you're Steve sometimes is because they heard an S. And so my name a, is, is makes it different. It's a listening cue. There's this noise that you're hearing and then you start to pay attention. So if the name came first, you're saying, my name is Colin. There's a pause right there, by the way. Just to... <laughs> <laughs> But it happens to me. Hey, I tell you, for my whole entire life, Carm speaking, can I help you? So we'd use Carm first speaking, can I help you? Tom was the most used name the person heard. Tom, mm -hmm. when I said Carm, <laughs> instead of saying, my name is Carm, how can I help you? Probably they would get the carm, but there's not a lot of carms that people bump into mm -hmm. all the time. So they would be in a state of maybe confusion too. And Colin isn't a, is it like a Bob or a Bill or a Joe or a Henry? It's different. These are great learning moments. Colin, I want to stay with you for just one minute and talk about the conversion from technician to service advisor. What I hear all the time is I'm so technical that I almost cloud the customer by over explaining and doing too much that is unnecessary. And do you hear that in your call? Not really much anymore. I feel like I've been an advisor for long enough that I feel like I'm pretty good at simplifying anything complicated, not over explained, but a fine line to where I make sure that when I get off the phone with somebody, they should be almost a pro. If they've got to go and they've got to talk to somebody at home or their father or their wife or whoever, they can almost recite exactly what I've said to them, but know what they're talking about but not so much that they're overwhelmed and they're like, holy cow, I have no idea what he just said to me. He's using big technical words, stuff like that. It's just simplifying. And that is really hard for someone who I went to automotive college um, in Nashville. So I know the ins and out of the technical side. It was very challenging at first to take the super hard technical side of it and simplify it for people who don't do this or even see this every day. So I guess the point we want to make is that a technician can be a service advisor, mm -hmm. but it's a completely different job 
It is. And don't expect to be super, super good at it. If you say, I know how this wire is hooked over to there and this diagnostic yeah. and this, that's way above anyone's learning curve or need to know, if you will. I just want to make a great point to anyone who's listening. If you're an owner, if you're a technician, you're a service advisor. Don't oversell. I guess that could be one point, but don't refuse as a technician. If you have an opportunity, a career path for you, the company's growing and you've got this incredible personality. And maybe the owner says, listen, you talk people, not car. I'm going to pull you out of the bays because I need you to talk people. But we, we need to be careful. So the reason for a coach, a Clint Rena. You probably listen to those calls with a guy like Colin maybe in the early days and say, you got to temper that. I mean, you're also there to pull him back. I think it's his superpower, right? So like you don't always <laughs> have to use your superpower, but you can. So I never had the superpower when I was an advisor of knowing anything technical or mechanical. My superpower was people. So that's what I used. And so when you're working with an advisor, you have to find what their superpower is. I know that if Colin needs to have a technical conversation with a customer, he can do that. And sometimes it will really work out well because he can ask questions that other people won't know to ask. So I do think you can utilize it, but only bring it out when you have to put your superpower to work. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, absolutely. I've used the analogy of building a clock. Uh, Tyler, remember the building the clock yes, analogy? <clears throat> Tyler asked me what time it is. What time is it? Tyler, I'm glad you're the ask. If we were to take the clock off the wall and open the case as we can see inside a series of interconnected gears that are on a overrunning clutch that are actually connected to the front shaft and three different hands on the front of the face that actually revolve around clockwise, hence the term clockwise, and the small hand reflect. Oh, I'm sorry. It's uh, 2.37 p.m. <laughs> I shouldn't build the clock, should I? I should just tell you what time it is. I was I've been in the industry 30 years, and uh, I still fly the ASC uh, certified flag and uh, was a technician. And that for me, uh, Rena, I love the fact you called it the superpower. I called it my handicap <laughs> because it would just squeak out. I built more clocks than I care to admit in my early days as an advisor. And so it took somebody telling me that exact analogy, Clint, just tell them what time it is, brother. Don't build the clock. That's so great. I love the clock. Colin, the clock. one other thing is how long did it take you to realize that because Rena was your coach, that you were still a really good guy. I mean, did it say, oh God, I might not be doing well to get over the concern that being coach doesn't mean that you're not bad, you're doing okay. I honestly, I think Rena like said that to me and it wasn't really a, a thought. The thought's always in the back of your head when you're, hey, we're going to get you a coach or we're going to set you up with somebody and just go over some things and fine tune some things. It never really hit me. I think Rena actually told me, hey, Con, you're a very good advisor. It's not that you're a bad advisor or anything. We can just make you even better. And that's why I was like, I'm going to get on board with this. We're going to, we're going to see how this goes and go from there. But I think Arena literally told me that this isn't, you're not doing bad. There's nothing wrong. You are doing spectacular. We can just, there's things we can find tune. So I want to ask everyone, are there any pains, pain points in, or is it painful at all that you're sitting down with your coach and the coach, Rena or Clint, says, hey, we're going to listen to this call. 
And it's the call that you knew you did terrible at. And oh my God, how did she pick that? Why did he pick that? Is there any pain in listening to these calls or coaching Clint, Rena? Do you say, hey, look at, I'd like you to do some self-critique or self-evaluation on this. I know what I'd like to teach you, but what did you just learn from what we just heard? Is it painful? I think all growth is painful. Have you ever been in the gym? (laughs) (laughs) I love a positive approach. The, The challenge would be that if we simply pet the dog, and say, that was good. And and that's all I said, you'd never grow. And so there are pain points in the growth process. You have to handle it uh, professionally. You have to handle it personally. There are times, yes, that when I get a call that I'm going to go over with an advisor and I know, oh, Lord Almighty, that was rough. But here's the factor that we haven't laid out on the table yet is that I get to hear both sides of that conversation and then give you input, wisdom, direction, guidance, methodology for improvement, that you can't go back in time and fix that, but you can plug it into who you are. Many times advisors are sitting at a counter and, and, and maybe the, the owner hears one side of the call, mm-hmm. which sounds terrible. And then they reap the uh, repercussions of that in-house. And this is one of the benefits of having a coach is that as an owner, you get to hear both sides of the conversation with an objective viewpoint and guidance and wisdom versus a one-sided conversation. I agree. I think that, yeah, I'm sure there's been really painful moments for people, especially when they've had like a really bad week and we coach weekly. And so if I go back Mm -hmm. and if I can't find anything good, because I always like to follow up with something really good and really positive, like struggling. So I would say at that point, I generally would stop after a couple of weeks of playing bad calls and try to figure out what's going on. Mm -hmm. I don't even think I would probably wait two weeks. I would probably do it during the first time that we had a couple of bad calls is I would try to figure out what's going on. Who said it? I think it was Patrick Lencioni. He said that the whole person comes to work. It's not just the work version, the person that had a bad morning, the person that is going through a divorce, the person that just had their dog pass away. That entire person comes to work. We can say, leave it at the door. And some people can do it, but the majority of people can't. And so for us to be able to like be a sounding board and say, what's going on? Are you okay? Do you need to talk? And being able to really get to the root of what's going on. I have done that with many people. I can't say that Colin and I have ever had like a call where we were like, what was that? But (laughs) I've had plenty of calls like that. There's a term that I've used before on a couple of your podcasts. And I tell people that I'm not a licensed counselor and I'm not a licensed therapist. However, I am a seasoned veteran trained repairathist. And that's what Rena and I do. You can have that for free, right? You're a repairathist. We deal with the entire person. We deal with the whole mind, body, soul, every part of that advisor. And we have to be sensitive to that. Colin, Absolutely. any painful moments you can remember that took you to a higher, better level? The really weird part is I've listened to a f- couple phone calls with Rena where I'm like, oh my gosh, that was terrible. What am I doing? And then Rena will come out with only positive stuff. And I'm like, huh. It kind of takes me by surprise sometimes where I'm just, I'm like, I think I'm just butchering a phone call. So we're really hard on ourselves knowing we're in this coaching yeah. program oh, and that you're in it so that you could become a superstar, find a brand new superpower. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, you're yeah. going to be hard on yourself. Yeah. And I feel like I'm extremely hard on myself. I always have been, no matter what I'm doing, I'm very hard on myself. So yeah, there's. I don't think there's ever been anything that's just been god awful when it comes to one of our phone calls. I feel like it's all been 
hey, there's you did three things right. Let's fix this one little thing. Yeah. There's never been like, don't do that. <laughs> that was wrong. What is wrong with you? <laughs> Tyler, you probably don't have to wait for Clint to know that you maybe <laughs> stepped left or right wrong. No? I've logged on to a few sessions with my tail between my legs. Absolutely. <laughs> the call starts playing and I knock the volume down a couple notches. And it's definitely happened. Same as, as Colin was saying. There's some that, that Clint kind of says. The result of this one, based on this person, the result would have been the same. It's just how you finished, how you got there. It's really what's going to matter, which is uplifting knowing. Okay, this, sometimes this is going to happen. It's best how you navigate it and what we do going forward in these situations, how you learn from it. There's absolutely been some phone calls that I'm not excited to listen to. He always comes out with positive points as well. So, If I know Rena and Clint, they would probably, if they were on the counters of your places, the minute the phone rang and it was a shopper, they say, yeah, I got a shopper. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> absolutely. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. I yes. love price shoppers. Yeah, me too. So what's the secret, coaches? I think that we've already said it. It's questions. Mm -hmm. I think that's the thing that advisors miss. Asking questions builds trust. Asking questions also really uncovers the real story. So like customer calls and is like, yeah, I need to make an appointment for a check engine light. And then as you start asking questions, you find out that the car's been to three shops. They've tried working on it themselves and it was bought in an auction three months ago. <laughs> if you ask questions, you will end up converting the right customer and you'll also be able to set a better expectation for what the visit is going to look like. I know that some shops like to give a price for testing before the customer even arrives. And if you tell the customer $175 for testing and then they get there and you probably should have started at more like 500 based off of all of the circumstances, you already made a promise to the customer. So now you're putting the shop in a bad place. You're putting the customer in a bad place. They're going to feel like you bait and switch them. They're yep. going to feel like they can't trust you. Now we get a bad review. And the truth is that everybody was right. Like the customer maybe didn't tell us everything. They didn't know that they should. But it's our job to know that we need to ask more and better questions. It just leads to a better appointment. And don't forget that the initial phone call is the first step in your sale. So did yes, you build relationship? Did you set up for a sale? Or did you set up for the customer to feel like I might have an appointment or I might not? As a coach, I think one of our greatest wins is when one of the advisors I've worked with for six months, a year and a half says, you have changed the dynamic of my life. You have changed the destiny of my family's financial situation. You've helped me sell twice as many build hours as I have the last year I was here. That's a win. And that win comes from being able to show them this is the way. If you'll follow this path, it's going to change the dynamic and the destiny of life for you and those that you work with and your clients, of course. The same feeling, I think, is derived from a price shopper call. The price shopper comes in and they think they've got it figured out and they're asking for what they think they need to know or need to have. And when you use these techniques, you use these guides, these professional presentations, these scripts, as you will, and you bring somebody back around to, again, I'd feel terrible if we put that kind of money into the car and it still ran the same. How would that feel for you, Mr. Customer? And at the end of that transaction or that experience that, that customer has, I've had countless customers tell me at my counter, Clint, thank you for not doing that thing. I thought I had it figured out and you guys saved me a ton of money. You guys fixed it correctly. You guys did what was right for me in my vehicle. Again, kind of that type and shadow, that reflection of what we do as coaches, 
It's the same thing on that uh, price shopper call. And that's that foundational conversation that gets them to where they need to be with their vehicle. We could go on for two hours. I have so enjoyed this. I can't, I don't know where the time has gone. This was so, (laughs) so much. It was fun, but it was also lots of learning going on here. Great stuff that fell from the tree, the avocado tree. All that good stuff that fell from interesting. So I want to sum this up and I want each of you to have a last word. But part of my big final piece takeaway, I wrote down, be curious why us? And it's almost to the point, Rita, you were going down the list of uh, by the time you discovered what really happened and where it was bought and how many people have tried. So why us? Are we just the fourth on the list that you were going to call? And or if I was going to be curious, couldn't should I be a reporter, a reporter that wants to go in and find out everything about a news story that they possibly can talk to everyone, if you will, that may have something to do with what the news story is, even though it's one person you're talking to. Be a reporter and be curious why us? So with that crazy umbrella here, I may be wrong because I'm not an expert coach like Rena or Clint. Let's go around the room. We'll do Clint. We'll do Tyler, Rena, and then Colin. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the, a great way to sum this up is for those that are watching, listening to this, whether you're a shop owner and you've got advisors that you employ that just, and they're just not hitting the mark and you know that there's room for improvement. Maybe you're an advisor that you want to do better. You want to do well. You've got to a sense of pride and integrity, and, and you want a structured format, the simple answer is get a coach. Get a coach. Anybody who's hungry and driven and wants to succeed in the career path that they choose has a coach, just like Karn brought up with uh, Tiger Woods. Any professional has one. And you have so many options in this industry, in the automotive aftermarket. We've got a lot of great coaching companies. Reach out and plug in and use that as a launch pad. That's my final push today. I appreciate that. Clint White coaching with integrity. His client who's here with us is Tyler Nichols. Tyler, give you the last word. I believe a lot of like what Clint said, it's a great habit to listen to your own phone calls on your own, I think. But like we've spoke about at this time, that we may be way too hard on ourselves and having someone to present this to in that vulnerable spot and get the constructive criticism, but then get the uplifting to build that confidence that the next call that's very similar to the situation, I know exactly how to handle this. I know how I'm going to move forward and it's going to be great. And almost looking forward to that call coming out of it. Whereas before it's, I I hope I never get another call like this. And I always love if I'm sending a call where I'm discussing repairs needed with a customer, he can pick up where I failed on the intake process by how the customer was responding to me on this call. And then it may have been, he hadn't listened to that one. So you can pick up on where the customer trusts you, how they feel about you just on on any of the phone calls. And I, I love being able to see the process like that and the results uh, go through. Good stuff. Thank you so much, Tyler. Tyler Nichols, manager and lead advisor at Extra Mile Auto Care. Appreciate that. We're going to do Colin. Colin Ashen, European Auto Garage, Knoxville, Tennessee. Colin, last word. Last words for me. I've always enjoyed talking to Rena and having a coach. It just makes everything kind of come together a little bit better. To a lot of people, it's a lot of shop owners I noticed in the past. If you invest in your people and you take care of them, they are going to take care of you. It's such a simple thing that so many people overlook. Getting someone a coach, again, is not saying you're a bad advisor. I've said this once before. I'm going to say it again. You can make this Porsche and this Mercedes behind me. They're both very fast cars. You can make them faster. An advisor can be a great advisor. You can make them even a better advisor with just small perfections. Thank you so much. Perfect. Rena Renabaum, Empowered Advisor. 
Last word. You have the last word of the episode. No pressure. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of things that we didn't get to talk about. Like coaching isn't just about listening to calls and it isn't just about talking to people about their problems. Coaching, we get to really learn about the shop and the shop's personality. We also get to help advisors do it the same way. So you have one advisor that is almost their own business and the other one doing it a completely different way. We get everybody on the same page. So it doesn't matter if you call me or if you call the guy next to me or the girl over here, all of us are going to have a very similar answer. We might have a different approach or path to get there, but we all are going to have a same or similar answer. And I think it's the idea that we have at Starbucks and McDonald's, right? When we go there, we make this order and every time it comes this way, people love that. People don't like change. And so we being a cohesive business also we help with that too. So there are so many different things, like I said, that we didn't get to talk about, but I think that's one of the big things that I really get to discover is that the shop isn't doing it the same and they are faster and better and more efficient when they are. It's the consistency word. Yes. And, and just think, uh, Rita, I'm sure you do business and Clint with multi-shop operators who work so hard for their systems and their processes and everything that they do, that the consistency at that counter should be was transparent between any one of the stores. Great summary. Appreciate that. Well, look at, thank you so much for being here. This was great. It was enlightening. We have to do it again. Everyone who's listening, I know you learned something positive. You did. So now go and get it done. Thanks. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast until next time.